Well, it's good to be here tonight. Good to have so many here. Wonderful. Uh, it's been a while, right? We haven't been, uh, it's been a couple weeks. Everyone was off. We all had our Thanksgiving dinner, ate too much. But we're glad to be back in the fellowship. Tonight, our topic is a little bit different. We've been in Genesis. The seeds, seeds of the Bible are sown in Genesis. And we've been... Uh, enjoying a lot of the seeds here in the book of Genesis. And the last time we met, uh, we were in Genesis chapter 12. And uh, God appeared to Abraham there in uh, Genesis chapter 12 and promised him two things specifically. He promised him that he would have a seed and that he would possess the land of Canaan. He was going to give him the land of Canaan. The seed signifies the offspring, right? Which would eventually would be Christ the Lord. Amen. As typified by Isaac and others in the Bible. But. So tonight we're, uh, we're covering this matter of fighting for your brother. And in the song we sang, you know, I go on if you go on and I need you desperately, right? I can't remember exactly, right? Very good uh, song actually that corresponds quite, quite well. Um, let me put a timer here. Good. Uh, so let, there's, there's some background here that I, I kind of need to cover, and we have some verses. So we have the striving of the brother. This is in uh, Genesis chapter 13, but it says, 13.5 uh, says, And Lot went, who went with Abram also had flocks and herds and tents. And the land could not support them, for they might, uh, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not stand together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelt in the land. So the background is here that Abraham had gotten a lot of livestock. He, uh, in chapter 12, there was a famine in the land. He went down to Egypt, and he got, actually got blessed by the pharaoh in Egypt and came back with a lot of stuff, he and his nephew Lot. And so they had uh, this, this uh, presented quite a big problem to them. Uh, there was strife between the shepherds. And they were fighting about the flocks. You know, your flock, your, your, your livestock is too close to my livestock. And I, they, they can't get enough to, you know, grass to, to, to graze and water to drink. And so there was, there was a strife going on here. And uh, so Abraham says to, to Lot, what shall we do? What shall we do? And so he says to Lot... Look up in the land, look here, look there, and you pick the best place, the choicest place. You go where you want to go, and if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. And so in the second Roman numeral, Genesis 13, 10, it says, Lot chose the best portion of the land. So it seems like Lot, you know, just said, oh, awesome, you know, uh, you know, you got to realize, Lot's older. I mean, uh, Abraham is older. Lot is younger. What do young people like to do? 
I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> you all like to get out of the house, be on your own, and go your own way. So that's exactly what Lot did. He chose the best portion of the land. He said, Abraham, we'll see you. I'm going my own way. And it says here that, uh, let's look at the description of what Lot chose. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the entire plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. And uh, this was before Sodom and God, Jehovah God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the Garden of Jehovah. So it was like the Garden of Jehovah. Really nice, fertile land for his flocks. So what is, you know, what are we getting to here? So Lot made a choice. And he left the people of God. Because God's choice at that time was with Abraham. God's goal, God's purpose, God's whole you know, his whole concern was with Abraham. He chose Abraham, and Lot just kind of tagged along with Abraham. And so, Lot should have realized that one thing. He should have realized, I better stay with Abraham, because he is God's choice. But he left. He left the people of God. Lot took the path of the self, and we know this by the next verse, verse 11, it says, So Lot chose for himself. So Lot chose for himself. That's a big little window here. You and I, we just read over these verses. We, oh, Lot chose for himself. Okay, let's go on to the next verse. But when we read the Bible, we have to pick up verses like this, and we have to see something here. Lot chose for himself. He made his, cho his choice. He departed from Abraham, and then he pitched his tent towards Sodom, because that's where the good, good land was. The fertile land was over there in Sodom, not caring about the wickedness of Sodom. So firstly, he leaves, he goes, pitches his tent in, towards Sodom. We'll see a little further. Lot's decision should have, made, should have been Abraham. It should have been the people of God. And then Roman numeral 3, it says, in verses 14 through 18, Jehovah appears. So then Lot goes one way, and he goes to Sodom. God appears to Abraham again. It's been a while since God appeared to Abraham because Abraham went down to Egypt. When you're in Egypt, you're not in the right place. When you're in the world... You're not in the right place for God to appear to you. So it took a little while. Now Abraham came back to Canaan. Now he's in the right place where God told him, you need to go to Canaan. You need to be there. So now he's in the right place. God appears to him again. And he kind of renews his consecration to the Lord. And Lot chose for himself... But Abraham, by going down to Egypt, Abraham had learned his lesson, which was, I'm not going to choose. I'm going to let God choose. And here, here in these verses, Jehovah appears and renews his promise to Abraham. Abraham builds an altar and offers himself to the Lord. And Abraham took the path 
of God to gain everything. So God, God gave him everything. He said, Abraham, look southward, look northward, look eastward, look westward. All of this land I'm going to give you. So God chose for Abraham. Lot chose for himself. Number four, as Christians, we have two choices. We can have our best life now, the American dream, or we can have God's presence, God's promise, and God's purpose. So the lesson here is, especially if you're young, I was young once, <laughs> seems like a long time ago, but the good lesson here is if you're young, if, you present, if you're presented with a problem, if you're presented with a situ situation, better to stay with someone who is older. Um, you know, we have our peers, we have our, the ones we can fellowship with, but I can remember in uh, my young days, I had two older brothers that I used to go to all the time. Um, and at one time, uh, there was a situation in uh, 1977 that presented to me, and it was a desperate situation. Uh, I probably wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for an older brother. Um, so, you know, at, at times we can fellowship with, you know, the ones around us, but at other times, like here, uh, when, it, when it's a sobering situation, don't leave the people of God. I think that's probably the best takeaway here. Don't leave the people of God. Don't go your own way. Make your own choice. Well, but, but, but you know, if I go and take that job over there, it's going to be awesome. They've offered me this much. They've offered me that much. Yeah, but where's the fellowship? Where, 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 where's, where are the saints? Where, were the, where are the believers in Christ that I can fellowship with? You might be a, a long way away that you, know, that you have. You can't find any fellowship. I mean, there's situations like that. You may not think, uh, well, there's places everywhere. Yeah, there, there are. But the point is, stay with the people of God and fellowship. Fellowship. Get some help from your brothers and sisters who are your age and then get some help from the older ones because Lot lost the protection of Abraham. He lost the supply from Abraham, the wisdom from Abraham. So uh, that's one of the things we wanted to bring out tonight. Um, and so... They separated their ways, and then in Genesis 14, the next chapter, we have this very strange chapter where, uh, unlike anywhere in Genesis, we have these, this in, international affairs going on between all of these kings. We have this war going on. It starts with a war. Wow. Uh, we have four kings who are fighting against five kings. Get that right, 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 Meryl? <laughs> four kings against five kings, right? And, and the four kings are going, where are they going? They're going and fighting against Sodom. Where is Lot? Lot is in Sodom. 
So even though he left God's people, at this point in human history, there are only two families on the earth who are God's people, Abraham's family and Lot. And Lot, God was concerned for Lot. He would not let Lot stay in Sodom. Even though he left the Lord and he was over there pitching his tent in Sodom and he eventually moved right into Sodom, God was concerned for Lot. So actually, really what we see in Genesis 14, this war is actually for Lot and for Abraham. Think about it. You say, well, I don't know about that. Wars, you know, God will do that? Well, that's basically, this, this whole situation was stirred up for God to get Lot back, get him out of Sodom. So in Genesis 14, you have this fighting going on, and Lot was taken. And in verses 14 through 16, you have Abraham's response. Someone sovereignly, right, sovereignly, someone escaped out of this whole fighting situation, out of the camp, out of Sodom. Someone came back, they ran back to Abraham. Abraham is there with his, you know, his, his uh, uh, you know, group of herdsmen and, you know, all of his people. And he comes up and says, Lot, Lot is taken, Lot is taken. So Abraham finds out. A messenger comes back, comes out and tells him. So, you know, Abraham didn't say, well, you know, Lot, I told you so. You shouldn't have left. You know, Abraham didn't say, he didn't have a heart that was mean towards Lot. He, you know what he did? He just rose up right away. He got into action right away. And he had 318 men. This is quite something. <laughs> he had 318 men. And he traveled and traveled a long distance. And he went and he, he slaughtered all those kings. Think about it. Five kings, four kings. Slaughtered them all. Except for, I think, there was a few leftovers. But anyway. One of them is a hard name to pronounce. Keterleomer. Anyway. Say that one three times fast. but So he goes and he slaughters all of these kings. Now, uh, prayer is not mentioned here, but actually at the end of uh, chapter 14, there's an indication. Obviously, Abraham is praying. Obviously, Abraham is trusting in the Lord, right? And we'll see something in a little bit. You know, someone else is praying also. Um, and so he gets the victory, and he brings Lot back, gets all the possessions, comes back, and, uh, and uh, when he comes back with Lot, he's met by someone. And that's the next Roman numeral 5. <laughs> Roman numeral 5, Genesis 4, 18 and 19. He's met by this, this high priest of God, the priest of God called Melchizedek which means king of righteousness. And he is the king of Salem, the king of peace. So Melchizedek meets Abraham, and he presents to him bread and wine. Bread and wine. What do we, uh, what do we know about bread and wine? 
What do we pass? What do we pass around every Lord's Day, or maybe once a month or so? But we pass the communion around. The Lord had His supper. What did He give? What did He break? He broke the bread and He passed the wine. It's a supply. It signifies the the supply of grace, the supply that God gives us. So Abraham came to supply. I mean, uh, Melchizedek came to supply Abraham with the bread and with the wine, the elements of the Lord's table. And this Melchizedek, strangely enough, you have to go to Hebrews chapter 7 to get a background on Melchizedek. But Melchizedek is a type of Christ, right? He is a type of Christ. And in Hebrews chapter 7, Christ, heavenly ministry is presented there. The the book of Hebrews takes a turn in Hebrews 7 from the earthly ministry of Christ where Christ uh, takes care of our sins. But now in Hebrews 7, as the heavenly high priest, the order according to the order of Melchizedek, follow me, he he is presenting... uh, a heavenly life. He's ministering to us. Amen. He's always interceding for us. Amen. Interceding and presenting uh, the life supply to us that we need. So the one behind the scenes in these chapters is the heavenly Lord Jesus Christ. But you say he wasn't incarnated yet, but he's eternal. <laughs> he's eternal. Um, and all over, you know, quite a few places in Psalm 110, it talks about uh, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So, and this priest who is uh, according to the order of Melchizedek, he has no genealogy, as Paul tells us in, in uh, Hebrews 7. There's no genealogy with this guy. He just kind of shows up out of nowhere and he just starts ministering bread and wine. And uh, he has no genealogy, no mother, no father, nor beginning of days, nor end of days. Just uh, like the Lord Jesus, right? He is the eternal God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was there, right? So he is a perfect type of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, And so he's ministering there. And uh, actually, when he says to Abraham, they talk about, uh, they talk about uh, the Lord as being the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. Now, Abraham was fighting for his brother. He got the victory. And when he got the victory, God came in to minister to him. So, as we see our, our brothers and sisters struggling, we do. We see saints, you know, brothers and sisters who may be struggling. Maybe they're, you know, they, they, you haven't seen them for a week. You haven't seen them for two weeks. We need to fight for our brother. Fight for the brother. How do we fight? We fight through prayer and we fight and we go. Abraham didn't just sit say, okay, Lot, I'm going to pray for you. No, he went. He got up right away. As soon as he heard the news, he went. And he went and he fought for his brother to get his brother back out of where? Out of 
out of Egypt, out of uh, Sodom. And so I think there's another verse here I was going to hit. First uh, John 5:16, it says, "If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, not unto death, he shall ask, ask God, and he will give life to him. So as we pray for our brothers, our sisters that we see maybe struggling a little bit, um, our prayers can minister life to our brothers and sisters behind the scenes. As we pray, Christ is praying. Christ is interceding. So that prayer gives life to our brothers and sisters to help them, uh, enable them. And then we go. We go. We may say, Lorenzo, let's go work out. Haven't seen you for a while. Let's go work out. Going to go work out with Lorenzo. I'm not going to lift as much as Lorenzo is going to lift, but I can work out with Lorenzo. <laughs> right? So, or go get a coffee. You don't drink coffee. You go get some tea. You, you just go and be with that brother or sister. Sometimes you just sit there. I've had brothers and sisters do this to me, just come over and they just, you know, sit there. I had a brother one time, he would just come over all the time. I was in a not a good place uh, for mm, six months in my life, uh, which was a really kind of dark time in my uh, early years when something happened to me. But uh, I had a brother, he was a neighbor, he would just come over. Just, you know, be there with me. Be there with me. And uh, no doubt he's praying for me. And then eventually, um, this, also this same brother came over one night and he said, you know, some brothers are going to get together. They're going to have a little time over brother so-and-so's house. You want to go? And so I, I went. That ended up being a... That ended up being a turning point. That turned me right back to where I needed to be. So he, his just being there. And then eventually, um, you know, I think he had some prayer with some brothers and they said, well, let's, why don't we invite, you know, let's, let's invite Brother Jim over. So that, that ended up being a real, a real big help to me. So a couple of points, you know, that, that, uh, we can kind of reiterate is, is the fact that, uh, hello, you can stop now. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, always, say, always seek fellowship when you're having a tough time. Just get into the fellowship. And uh, don't, don't find yourself out of the fellowship. Attach yourself. Get yourself, you know, with the other, other brothers and sisters. It's always very, very helpful. Um, and if you can get with some older ones, maybe your mom and dad, you know, your, your relatives, uh, just go visit them and open up your situation and, you know, you'll get the help. I, I, I've never had a situation where I went to fellowship with someone and uh, I was disappointed. Never. I've always gotten the help. So... Um, we need to fight for our brothers and sisters. Kind of a different, you know, word here. This is a very particular 
chapters in uh, Genesis 13 and 14, but there's some good lessons here for us to learn. Um, and let's see, is that, that, that I think is, is uh, Melchizedek, yeah, was praying behind the scenes. He saw Lot's situation and he prayed. Also, Abraham was able to slaughter the kings, not because he was great or he was well. Uh, Abraham was, was, was not, what's the word? He was not trained in warfare at all. He should have not been able to slaughter all of these kings. But it was Melchizedek who was praying for him. When there's a prayer, where, where there is prayer, there should be a response. And uh, the other matter here is that uh, God is the possessor of heaven and earth because now God has a man on the earth who is Abraham, and Abraham is now standing one with God. So now there's righteousness. So Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, comes in. Now there's righteousness. The, the, the enemies have been slaughtered. And so now righteousness comes in, and with righteousness... There's always peace. Peace comes in. When you're not righteous, when I'm not righteous, uh, when I have a problem before God or before man, I have no peace. But when I, when I get uh, right before God and I get right before man, then peace comes in. So that's the uh, significance of Melchizedek, the king of righteousness and king of peace.